0: you're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. If you said anything any, any way better than that and maybe you've never thought about John 3:16 like that but love gives. Love gives. That's powerful. If we really think about that, that's powerful. If we let the Holy Spirit just kind of push that inside of us and get it to the place where we get a hold of it, then we really begin to see the nature and the character of God and and understand who he is and what His grace is done for us. And so today, as we look at this, what I want to do is take a little bit of a different approach. And um, though these parables, you might have heard them before, and they all say the same thing in the end. They all point to a similar value that that heaven has for humanity. The way that God sees uh, people. And not just people that have made a decision to follow Jesus, but those who are on the, uh, are still searching or in a place where they're, they're broken or they're asking questions or they don't feel like God can love them. And so today what I want to do is maybe take a bit of a unique approach to these parables and look at them as three different types of people. And so today I'm going to speak to two different types of people, two different groups of people here today. There are those who have made a decision to follow Jesus and we need the reminder to value what God values, to love people the way that God loves, to allow the work of grace to continually be burnt inside of us to the place that it moves us. But also today, I do believe that there are some people, and you might identify with one of these groups of people in this parable in these parables, and what I want to tell you today is that the love of Jesus is powerful. It's powerful because it sees you. It sees you whether you're in a place where you are broken or you are in a place where you are asking questions, you're a doubter and that's okay. Or if you're in a place where you don't think God can love you, I want to tell you that he does. He's not worried about your questions. He's not worried about your disagreements. And that he is the one who can heal you. He is the one who can bring you hope. So my prayer this morning is that we all receive a great big helping of the grace and the love that Jesus loves us with this morning. So having said that, I need to preface this conversation with hopefully a little bit of humor, is that I, I, um, I got to come clean. I failed at this message already um, because we're going to talk today about loving difficult people, and so I need to come very clean with you. I was not kind to Yankees fans. Don't clap. Don't clap. We're not them. I'm just kidding. No, no. And, 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 and listen, it's not easy sometimes to love people that are not lovely, isn't it? Come on. It is, right? Right? And Jesus talks about this, and it's a challenge. And so what I want to tell you today, that no matter what you hear today, the answer for us when it comes to loving people is still the same, is that we can't do it in our ability, can we? No. We have to trust the grace of Jesus. And when we fail, we have to repent, and we have to get back up, and we have to step back into that grace. And that's what I had to do, all right? And so let's get into this this morning, all right? So... Let me get my notes in order here. All right. Oh. Justin, did I I think I took I think I have my first page of my notes over there. That's all right. Can you can you look at those and yep, thanks. My daughter Abby. This is a wonderful morning, isn't it? We're batting a thousand if it's not batteries, it's notes. All right, here we go. Hopefully this will be worth it. Okay, so let's open up our Bibles to Luke 15. And I want to start with the the context of this conversation that Jesus taught these parables in. In Luke 15, 1 and 2, Jesus is talking to a group of people who were religious leaders at the time, and they were called Pharisees. And Pharisees they just adhered to the law. I'm not going to go into a lot of depth with this, but it was those who were blinded. They, they, In one aspect, they wanted something better. They wanted to connect with God, but because they had lost sight of some things and they connected into the, the fullness of the law and in the, in the letter of the law that they had gotten to something what we call is legalism, is that they began to trust too much in the law. And they missed seeing Jesus. And so Jesus is having a conversation with them. And it says this in Luke 15:1 and 2. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And this is the question that I want to start off with and just something for us to ponder at the very beginning, because I believe this sets the context of, of how we are to love the way Jesus does in, in the sense of loving those who are far from God still. Don't you love that Jesus was different? Don't you love that Jesus was different, that he defied the religious and societal trends and the norms? Don't you love that? When you read the Bible and you hear scriptures like this, doesn't it wake, wake something up inside of you and cause you to, to be excited? It should. Because Jesus bucked the religious norms, and he bucked the societal norms. And this scripture, this small little scripture in Luke 15:1, where it says that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, and they were gathered around to hear Jesus, is not a small thing. Because it, in essence, shows the heart of who God loves, and who he's after, and how he values. And what we begin to see is that Jesus teaches these three parables, that this heart is explained in in detail. We're not like the Pharisees. I don't think any of us are like the Pharisees, not by a long shot. I hope not. But It's easy sometimes for us to lose sight of this amazing grace, to stop thinking about and caring about the things that really matter to Jesus, that really matter to heaven, to stop if we're not careful caring about those who are far from God. When we really think about it, it it becomes easy. We don't mean to, but we get busy, don't we? We get busy. Maybe it's because we're consumed with just our personal relationship with Jesus. I know that I've been in that spot before. Or sometimes I'm so focused this way, just me and Jesus, that I forget this. Sometimes my life gets busy that I put on blinders to some of the needs and the the things that are going on around me in people's lives. And what Jesus does is he brings us full circle. He does a 180 on us here. He takes the opportunity to address this mindset no matter how it comes. Whether it's because our hearts have grown cold or because life has happened. And he begins to talk about this. In the sense of saying this is what is important to me. And important to my father. And important to heaven. Maybe sometimes if we're not careful, we just lose sight of the value that Jesus has for humanity. But what I want to connect us into, and I want to encourage you, if you're going to take notes today, to start here in Luke 19.10. Jesus tells us the mission statement for why he came from heaven to earth. And he says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is why Jesus came to earth. And we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to understand this. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to burn this inside of us. So let's dig into these different parables. The first one we see is in Luke 15, 3 through 7. I'm going to read it to you. I invite you to read along on your phone or your Bible. Or If you don't have either of those, then you can look on the screen. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Wow. Wow. And I want to offer you today this opinion, that if we choose to see it, that the sheep maybe represent those people who are in need. When I think about this parable, immediately I think about this, and and, and we've Maybe you've heard this parable taught before, and you've heard about sheep, and sheep really are dumb. Sheep are dumb. And I can promise you that one sheep out of the hundred did not mean to get lost. He probably was looking for something that was good, but he found himself in a very desperate situation. Why? Because it would have been perfectly clear to the people that Jesus was talking to who had a background in this type of work. That one sheep all by himself is prey, becomes a target, becomes somebody in a dire situation. And I believe this with all my heart, that Jesus did not waste words. He's not just painting a pretty picture here to show how much one person cares, God cares about one person, but he's bringing us into this understanding that there are people in this world that are broken, that are broken, that are without hope. With those who have a need, who don't see hope for tomorrow, but they're lost, they're truly lost. If we stop and we think, we all know somebody in that situation. If we stop and we really think about that, we know somebody who is broken. They can't understand tomorrow. There is no hope. This is something that I absolutely love about this parable as I just sat and I just, I just looked at it over and over again as I was asking the Holy Spirit. And this is just one thing that, that popped out that I love about the power of grace in the heart of Jesus is this, is that Jesus did not play the odds. See friends, I believe this, that the people he was sitting around probably looked inquisitively at, at, at Jesus when he said, what? The shepherd went after the one? Isn't that just the cost of doing business? Isn't that just your loss statement at the end of the month? You can't keep all of them. But Jesus breaks again the mold because he's not talking about shepherding. He's talking about the heart of the Father. And he says this, that I and my Father do not play the odds. It's not okay that anyone is lost. Mm. Sometimes if we read that too fast, we miss out on that. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. The second half of this says, Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, here is a truth. God gave man free will and it is his heart that every person, every every created humanity would come and receive Jesus Christ as Lord. It is his heart. It is his heart. And this parable teaches us something here right when we, right off the jump is that Jesus doesn't play the odds. His heart is for all to come. So what do we do? What do we do when we see somebody who's in need? Somebody who is truly broken, somebody who doesn't see hope for tomorrow, what's our posture? And I want to just give this to you for food for thought, some things that we can ask the Holy Spirit to kind of burn inside of us. The first thing is this, look for the need and meet the need. Write this down. Look for the need and meet the need. Maybe there's somebody who's going through something right now that needs money, that needs some help financially, then I wanna challenge you and I wanna encourage you to let your money serve an eternal purpose. You can't take it with you, and your kids will waste it. No, I'm just kidding, they won't. Just joking. But listen to me if the Lord has blessed you, it is not for you to clench your fist. If the Lord has blessed you, it is so that you can be a blessing. And there are some people in this room that, that you, maybe you know somebody who is broken in as a place, and what they need is maybe just a little bit of financial help. When we open up our eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to show us to look for the need so that we can meet the need, then what we're saying is that anything that I possess is an available resource for you to use to meet a need, God. And so maybe it's money, but maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time maybe it's just being present being available in somebody's life being available to lend a hand or help somebody or to just be again just present in somebody's life so they're they're not alone to break this lie this this false understanding that there's no hope and the encouragement for us is this, is to redeem the time. Ephesians tells us this, redeem the days because the days are evil. And let me tell you what this means is this, is that you only have so many breaths that you're going to take in this life. You can measure them in seconds. You can measure them in days, experiences, birthdays, births, however you want to measure them. But you only have so many And the reason why the scripture says that they're evil is because you were, when the second you were born, you were on a stopwatch. We all are until our death. And the only hope we receive in that comes from two places. It comes from knowing Jesus Christ because those who know Jesus Christ don't really ever die. But the second thing is this, is that when we allow our time to serve an eternal purpose and when we invest our time to meet a need, what it does is that the testimony of the grace of Jesus is carried on. What we watched on the screen right there is proof of this. Why? Because whoever packed that box... ever family was on that picture took time out of their day and I bet they were busy and they purchased a gift and maybe they prayed about it. Maybe they asked the Lord, hey, what do you want us to get? Maybe they thought about a little girl and meeting her need and they took time out. But what turned around is that time, whether it was 15, 30 minutes or an hour, turned out to have an eternal purpose where grace was sown into somebody's life and it changed not just one girl's life, but it started a legacy of grace. Amen. Amen. Now, I get excited about certain things, and I'm not a yeller, so if you're new here, I'm not, I'm a nice guy. I love the Astros, all right? <laughs> but here's what we have to understand, is that until we, and Jesus is saying this, this is what he's saying, he's like, look, that shepherd could have said, "Not it's not worth my time. If I leave these 99, then I might put them at risk. And Jesus is breaking the natural mindset of how we think and tying us into the mindset of heaven on how God thinks about those who are broken. Oh, it's powerful. It's powerful. Maybe it's a kind, encouraging, or prophetic word. Speak it out. Open your mouth. Don't be timid. Don't be scared. Some of you, you, you see people in your life that they're sitting in this place of hopelessness and the Lord has spoke to you about them. I don't care what you call it. You can call it an encouragement, prophetic. You can call it being nice. I don't care. That's semantics. The point is, speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. Let your words serve an eternal value. Okay. The next thing we have to do is help carry the burden. And Jesus gave us this model on how we're to love, and it's challenging. He made himself present in our lives. He made himself, himself present in our life. And I would say this, that the first step to carrying somebody's, somebody's burden, to help carry somebody's burden, is to be present. There's something very powerful in somebody knowing who, who feels hopeless that they're not alone that they're not alone. I love the model that Jesus gave us, and when we stop and we really think about it because it deserves it, is that we think and we understand that here is God, and Philippians tells us this, this beautiful breakdown on kind of the mindset of, of, of Jesus when he came to earth. Paul writes this and he says, he did not consider the glory of heaven something to be lost, but he came to earth willingly. He sacrificed himself even unto death. And if I could paraphrase that ever so gently I would say this that Jesus wasn't thinking about having to give up his seat of authority the glory of heaven to coming to the trash can of earth why because he loved mankind and he understood in order to meet the need to carry the burden he had to be present to answer the cry of humanity's heart of saying God where are you that he had to be present And when it comes to this idea of meeting somebody's need and helping to carry a burden, that we have to be present. And the third aspect of this, I'm giving you a lot of things. I want to encourage you just to write these down. Look for the need. Meet the need. Help carry a burden. But do it joyfully. Do it joyfully. You can't meet or carry a need in your own ability. It's impossible. You can't do it in your own strength. If you try, you're going to burn out. And the only way that we can be a people who love those who are in a a place of brokenness or a place where there's hopelessness is to, and do it joyfully, is to rely upon the Holy Spirit. That we have to fully rely upon the Holy Spirit and stay in a place of grace. And if you're in this position today where you know somebody, and, and again, maybe you are the person who is broken and there's no hope for tomorrow. And the same thing's true about you. You can't fix the problem. You need to look at the Holy Spirit. You need to ask the Holy Spirit for help. You need to fully rely upon that grace. But if you know somebody in your life who needs that, then it's not your good ideas that are going to transform their life. It is trusting and listening to the Holy Spirit and staying into that place of grace. Again, I want to point us back to the words that Jesus said at the end of this parable and I want us to listen to these very carefully. He says this, I tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The heartbeat of heaven is to redeem men back to the love of Jesus Christ. The heartbeat of heaven is to redeem men and women back to the love of Jesus Christ. Here's a question I want to ask you before we move into the next parable. How did the grace of Jesus rescue you? What did the grace of Jesus do to rescue you? Connect back into that story in your life. Because the day that that happened, all of heaven rejoiced over you. In the same way, all of heaven rejoices when we go and we Meet the need of a broken person and bring them into Christ. All right, the second parable is this, the lost coin, Luke 15, 8 through 10. Everybody okay? Okay, all right. I want to make sure. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, in the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. What I want to offer you this morning about the coin is this, is that there are people in our lives, those that we know, who are lost, searching. Maybe they're hurt. They've been hurt by something, a system, something that they saw that wasn't a proper representation of Jesus. Jesus. They're yearning for answers, and they've lost value. They've lost value for God. They've lost value for themselves. When I think about this coin, I think about an inanimate object that does not see the value of itself. That coin doesn't have a personality, doesn't have feelings, doesn't have a soul, doesn't have an identity. It is inanimate. But yet that woman saw the value of that. And I believe this represents a large amount of people that we know today who are hurt, who are yearning for answers, who maybe are angry at God, who have lost value. So what do we do? I want to give you a couple of things. First, we have to value them not on what they think. Write this down, please. We need to value them not on what they think nor on what others think about them, but about what God says about them. We have to value them based off of what God says about them, not what they think or what others think about them. Now, I want to tell you, if there is a category that entails dealing with difficult people, I believe that this would be the parable that addresses this, if we allow ourselves to see it. Here's, I think, a painful reality that we we need to address in our lives. Is that we live in a world where opinions separate us. And this is not the heartbeat of how Jesus loves. Smile. Smile. Smile, everybody. Smile. We live in a world where our opinions, they separate us, don't they? If you don't agree with me, then I don't like you. Hey, I'm guilty. I yelled at a bunch of Yankees fans. <laughs> Jesus wants to heal, heal us of this. Maybe this is the way we think. If we don't agree, we can't value you. If I don't agree with you, then I can't value you. Wish I had a pen listen, this isn't, this isn't hard stuff. Maybe Jesus is having to clean out some of the closets of our heart a little bit. And, and I want to tell you that it, it, don't worry because you're not alone if you're this. And it stings a little bit because it stings me too. I'm in the same place with you, and the answer is still the same for every of us. We have to look back into grace because this idea that if you don't value the way I value, then I don't value you. If you don't share the same opinion that I have, then then I don't like you. What it does is it opposes the work of grace in your life. It will stop the flow of grace in your life. Now, let me speak as a pastor to you and maybe throw just a bit of encouragement with a warning into it, is that if the grace is dried up in your life, then check your opinion meter. Because if you can only value people you agree with, then you've missed something. Romans 5, 6 and 8 says this. All right, everybody, let's hug it out. (laughs) All right, we're back in, okay. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says this. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly, uh, i.e. God-haters, i.e. those who did not care about Jesus. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly die. Show me. Show me. Paul's taking a little bit of liberty here. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners. Why we still hated God. Why we still did not agree with God. Why we did not, in the place when we did not share the values that God had for us. Christ died for us. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, stop. Bink. Now, I want you all, uh, don't respond to this. I need you to hear this, okay? No, I'm being serious. Listen. That when I speak sometimes, I am not speaking to you, but I am speaking to the thing that is sitting on top of you. I'm speaking to the culture that is oppressing some of you. I am not speaking to the value of who you are. I am not undermining the value of who you are. I am not saying that you are not a kind person, a good person, somebody who desires the good. But what I am telling you is that there is a system of this world that is sitting on top of you. And there are some systems that we live in in this world that the Holy Spirit wants to wreck and destroy. This is one of them. Here's what I mean. The very nature of grace shows us that while we hated Jesus, Jesus valued us and died for us. We, too, have to learn from the Holy Spirit how to value people, even different, difficult people, the way that Jesus does. Let's talk about how we do that. First thing is this. If you're going to love difficult people, if you're going to love people who disagree with you, then you have to be prepared to search and get dirty. I have an opinion. You don't have to share it, and it's okay if you don't. But if you are trying to live as a crystal clean Christian in a world that you live in, where you are afraid of engaging and messing up your feathers with people who are disgruntled, disturbed, who are broken, then you're probably in a place, there's some scripture evidence maybe that says that you need to consider getting a little dirty. What do you think happened when that lady swept her house? Again, I sat and I looked at this parable and I think about it too much like a flannel board. You know, you heard me mention flannel board Jesus before. I grew up in a flannel board era. Went to flannel board Sunday school. Everything was one-dimensional. You know, it was just there. And there was a picture of the lady sweeping the house. She had a smile on his face. Number one, that's a lie. (laughs) Nobody smiles when they're sweeping. I was like, and I can promise you that that lady wasn't happy about what she was doing. She was probably nervous. She lost some value. But what do you think happened when she swept the house? Do you think she just found a coin? When's the last time you swept your house? Maybe you were looking for something, you didn't, but you swept under your couch. What did you find? A cockroach? A hairball? A couple toys? A juice box that's fermented? What is it? That woman did not just pull up a coin. She pulled up dust and junk, and garbage in her house. Come on. And when we stop and we look, maybe we can see something that Jesus was saying just a little bit deeper. Because when it comes to this whole idea of loving somebody who doesn't agree, then you have to be prepared to get dirty and not be offended by it. Come on. Now, I, I, look, I know some of us are down here with this. Some of us are up here with this. Just take a little step. We live in a messy world, but this is a messy world that Jesus loves madly. He loves it madly. Hey, I got I to gotta stop. I got to say this. And again, I know I'm getting excited, but here's the thing is that Jesus might not view the world the way you do. Jesus doesn't hate Republicans and he doesn't hate Democrats. Oh, now, Jesus doesn't hate immigrants. Jesus doesn't polarize. I'm not saying that Jesus is condoning sin, but here's the truth, is that Jesus might not see the world that you, the same way you do. And the reality is this, these are the things that Jesus, listen, he's talking to Pharisees here. He's taking a moment to say, I want you to hear how the God you worship, how my father, how my heart responds. Jesus is madly in love with this world. So when it comes to getting into life with people who are messy, don't be scared because it's worth it. It's worth it. All right. These are people who have questions, who have lost faith, who have been hurt. So what do they need? The first thing is that they need is to be heard and listened to. They need to be heard and to be listened to. But listening is not the same thing as answering or fixing. Listening is not the same thing as answering or fixing. Guys, in your marriages, listen to a guy who's... who's, mess this up a bunch. When your wife wants to talk, she's not asking you to fix. Oh, our ladies are like, that's right. Preach, pastor. You're the best. Here's the thing. And in our problem, all right, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pick on you. Here's the thing. If listening is not the same thing as answering or fixing, then how do we listen? James 119. This is a A bit out of context, but it's a principle that holds true in this application. I want you to hear this. James 119 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, James here is talking about a response to the Holy Spirit, but it's a principle that applies when we are trying to listen, learning to listen. The principle of listening. See, the natural response is this. Is that we don't really listen, we're just looking for an opportunity to get our opinion in. We begin to talk over people in order to validate our opinion, which all results in causing more strife. But the spiritual principle of listening goes like this stop talking until you've taken the time to really hear. Stop talking until you've taken the time to really hear, to hear somebody's heart. Hear the heart behind the words. Listen for truth. And then speak words of life that lead to actions of life. Speak words of life that lead to actions of life. We live in a polarized society. We live in a place where generations don't always understand one another. And we point a lot of fingers on both sides of the fence. But the only thing that Jesus is asking us to do is be prepared to get into the trenches. And part of that is being able to listen in order that we can really hear the heart of somebody who is hurt, who has been wounded, who is indifferent, In order that we might speak the love and the life and the truth of Jesus to them. That they would spring forth into life. That they would know the grace of Jesus. We can't cut that conversation off at the very beginning because they don't agree or value what we value. These people need to know that God cares about their hurts, their questions, and their objections. Because here's the truth, is that God is not afraid of their hurts, their questions, or their objections. Nor is He offended like we become by them. I've told this story before, but I'll tell this story in a second. I want to read this passage to you. I love this passage in John 1. 44 through 49. It's the story of Nathanael. It says this, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Listen to Nathanael's response. Nazareth. Now you look at this and say, how does that apply to this parable of the lost coin? Because it just takes us looking just a smidge deeper to understand that what Jesus was speaking to in Nathanael's life was a man who was questioning. He even made his objections known when Philip came to him and said, hey, you need to meet this Jesus. We think he's the one. And when he said he was from Nazareth, his response was, Nazareth, how can anything good come from there? See, Nathanael at his heart was a doubter. But when Jesus comes to him, what does he say? He doesn't come offended because he knew the backstory, didn't he? Why? How do we know that? Because Jesus references seeing Nathaniel in the spirit while he was under the fig tree and what he was doing under the fig tree. We don't know. Maybe he was asking questions. Maybe he was pondering about the Messiah. Maybe he was grumbling. Maybe he was yelling at God and saying, where are you? Why is this happening? And Jesus looks at him and says, Listen, I see in you somebody without deceit. And the reality is this is that Jesus didn't get upset with Nathaniel's response, his initial objection, but he listened. When I was in uh, some of you have heard this story before, and for those of you who've heard this, I apologize. But I had an encounter like this when I was in in high school. And I had a friend who had a baby out of wedlock when he was a teenager and the baby died. And I got very mad at God and I went into the church where my father was an elder and my mother was a Sunday school director and we had keys and I could go into the building anytime and had a gym. as was a whole lot of fun. And I walked into the sanctuary as a 16 and a half, almost 17 year old young man in an open sanctuary and I got up on the stage and I cursed God. I was hurt. I watched my best friend weep with his girlfriend. He was broken. He was devastated. I didn't understand. I didn't, couldn't comprehend it. I was so angry. I was so mad at God. It wasn't even my thing, but I was broken for my friend. I invited God to come down and duel. Like, how stupid was I? Hmm. Anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever been that mad at God? Anybody ever have any doubts? Anybody ever have any questions? Ever Anybody ever struggle in this place before? And what happened to me was this, is that nothing happened then. And I thank God. But a few weeks later in the middle of a worship service, I was sitting there with my arms folded. And all of a sudden the power of God, the love of God surrounded me. And began to heal me. And began to whip off these things off of me that were just tormenting me these questions and all these things and God began to do a powerful work in my life and it began to touch and heal my life and I want to tell you this that it taught me something is this is that in these times where there are people who are hurt who are questioning who are doubting who are in these places of indecision they come to God God is not offended he is not hurt by that but his extent of his grace is powerful See, God understands the difference between somebody who is in a place of indecision and brokenness and is responding out of pain and somebody who just out and out denies God. Let me be clear with you guys. Let me, let me help you understand. Anybody who's questioning this, this principle in your life, listen, yes, there are people who deny God. There are people that even though the grace of Jesus cries out to deny Him, in which the grace of Jesus cannot cover that because they've rejected him. But God knows the difference between those people and people who are hurt. And friends, sometimes he asks us to partner in with him in that. Oh, oh, man, what a beautiful thing. In order to do this, we need wisdom and freedom. Freedom. If we're honest, we struggle with dealing dealing with people who this, this fits. But we have to lean into the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Because wisdom gives us patience and understanding and humility. And we also need the freedom of Jesus. Because God is bigger than the objections of people. and His love is greater than their questions and their objections. And when we model the freedom of Jesus, we begin to display that to them. We begin to display that to them. Again, Jesus gives just a little bit at the end of this, saying something similar to the lost sheep. And he says this, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels and the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And here's a question that I want you to think about. Were there any objections or questions that Jesus overcame when you were searching? How did his love heal you? How did it bring peace to you? The final parable is this, really quickly. Justin, you come on up, man. Thank you all. The prodigal son. And I think this, again, fits a large percentage of people that we know, and maybe some of you today. And to those of you that maybe feel a little bit like the prodigal son, what I want to declare to you is the amazing love and the grace of Jesus that welcomes you back home. I believe that the prodigal son represents those who have failed, made mistakes. They feel like God doesn't or can't love them. See, what we see, and this is the first time in these three parables, that Jesus gives a little bit of insight into the mind of that thing that was lost. We can't know what the sheep was thinking. Maybe he just wanted grass in a good place. Maybe he got tired of his sheep, brother. I don't know. We don't know. The coin, the coin doesn't have anything. It's inanimate, but here we see the prodigal son, and for the first time in these parables, what we see is Jesus giving a bit of insight into the mind of the thing that was lost. Now, here's what we see. As we see this in verse 13, I'm not going to read this to you. I'm going to just tell you this story, is that the prodigal son makes a foolish decision. He asks for his portion of his father's wealth, his inheritance, and he goes out into the world and he loses it. He's a bad investor. He's a young man. He doesn't have discipline. All these things. This is on him. This is on him. He goes out and he makes a big mistake. But then again, I want to encourage you to read this and Luke 15, this story very carefully because Jesus tells this parable and something else happens. More things happen. Then there's another thing that happens. A famine strikes the land. There's something that happens, a natural disaster that he couldn't control That puts him into further destitution. We see that in verse 14. And I think there's a reason why Jesus tells us this and gives us some background into this. Because with most broken people that feel like God can't love them. It is not just their mistakes that are weighing on them. Sometimes it's their mistakes but sometimes it's the other circumstances of life. And then it goes on and it tells us a little bit more in verse 16. He was finally met as he got a job feeding pigs. The scripture tells us that nobody would help him. He was met with all and all all out abandonment. Jesus goes into detail in this parable and I think it's beautiful. He says, "Listen, it started with a mistake." But then life happened and it compounded that to the place where he got, where nobody would help him. And then finally, the scripture says he comes to his senses and he's not really in his spirit sense. He's in his soul sense. And he says this, that it shifts his identity because he begins to think about his father again. And he goes and he says, listen, I can go back and I can be a slave for my dad. Those things do not connect, friends. And again, Jesus doesn't mince words here. And I need you to hear this. Because this is the cycle of brokenness. And maybe you're here today and you fit this. And I want to tell you, because the response of the Father is what you need to hear. Is maybe you made a mistake and then life happened and it threw you under. And then there was nobody around in your life And your identity is being formed for that. But here's what I want you to see. Because Jesus brings out two different perspectives. One from the brother and one from the father on how we are to respond to that. See, the brother responds like we want to in our natural flesh. Because in verse 30, the brother is so offended because they're throwing a party for his other brother who was a fool. That all he can see is the sin and the mistake of his brother. And he never gets past that first place. But I want you to hear the heart of the Father. Because this is what the heart of the Father says and what grace says. The first thing that we see is this. In verse 20, he was filled with compassion. Now there's something special about this word. Just give me a few more minutes, please. You need to hear this. This word compassion is only used a few times in the New Testament. And it's in those times where we read in the Gospels where it says that Jesus was filled with compassion and he healed. Jesus was filled with compassion and he fed. He set them free. He opened blind eyes. See, the word compassion means this. It's not just empathy like I feel for you. It is this, that I'm going to go and change the situation. And this is what grace says. And this is what God asks of us. The Father was filled with compassion. And then in verses 22 and 24, it says this, that he restored identity and position. You know, it's amazing when we, when we really read this carefully, this, this parable carefully, and it blows my mind. It fills me with so much Grace of how Jesus rescued me and I hope it does for you is because what we see in that passage, in that scripture, that parable that Jesus is saying, he's saying this, he's saying, listen, the father saw him from afar off and his heart was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. Listen, the the son did not have to have the dialogue with the dad in order for there to be restored identity and position. It was already done in the mind of the father. He did not have to say a word, he didn't have to do anything, it was already done. But Jesus says he repents and he says, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, but the father says, I'm rejoicing because the son that was dead is now alive. Go kill the fatted calf. Go get the robe. You got the ring. You are in. We're having a party. Oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. So friends, here's a question. Are we the brother or the father? Mm. Do we just see people's mistakes? Oh, that dummy. That dummy. I can't believe it. Deserves what you got. Keep making bad decisions. That's what's going to happen. Or do we look to restore? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? In this situation, first we need to pray. We need to pray. You need to pray specifically for that person, for people, that they would see the love of the Father. Listen, write this down. This is more important than food right now. I'm not normally this guy, but I'm I'm a little fired up right now. Mm -hmm. Pray that we'll see the love of the Father for people. So, you got to pray both ways. You got to pray that God will open their eyes and pray that God will open your eyes. This needs to be in our daily prayer times. This isn't a one and done. We have to show consistency in our love and response. We don't respond like the world does, we don't respond like the brother, we respond like the father. So, don't be reactionary to mistakes and failures, don't place blame. Be consistent in your love and your reaction. For those of you who see things very black and white, I got good news for you. Relax. Because this isn't the same thing as condoning behavior. It's what you say that restores identity and position that matters. You can look at somebody and say, hey, that was dumb. Yeah, what you did was stupid. But what you did does not define you. That's not who you are, and that's not what God thinks about you. Yeah, you made a mistake, but that mistake is not your future. Hmm. Hmm. We need to remind of the value both in the natural and in our spiritual understanding. Let let me just say this like this, is that people need to hear not just what God is saying about them, but what you think about them. Can I just say it like that? Hey, people need to hear that you still love them as much as they need to hear that God loves them. People need to hear that God believes in them and has a future and a hope, and they also need to know that you believe in them. I'll never forget, oh, I'm blown past the time, but it's all right, is that I had, thanks Justin, keep playing, baby, (laughs) when I was in high school and I was goofy, oh, I was hypocritical and I was making a bunch of bad decisions, I was a foolish 16, I already told you how foolish I was when I was 16, I rebelled and went to a Catholic church for a year, (laughs) that was fun. They were in and out fast. I loved it. <laughs> and then I met my friend Duke. And his dad was a Marine Corps drill sergeant. A retired Marine Corps drill sergeant, the sweetest man. And I remember he walked up to me one of the first times I ever saw him and he took his two fingers. It's like that one-inch punch. Pow! And he stuck him in my chest and he pointed me, he kept banging in my chest. I'm like, who is this dude? And he says, you are an awesome man of God. He says, I love you. I didn't know him. And every time I saw him when I went to my friend Duke's house, every time I saw him in church, every time I saw him, he'd walk up with those two fingers and his big biceps, and he would go, you are an awesome man of God, and I love you. You're going to do great things for Jesus And I want to tell you something. He planted a seed inside of me that saw past the stupidness and the failures and the mistakes of my teenage years. And tied it in with the voice of heaven that shouted out grace to me. And I want to tell you, as much as going to Bible school, as much as as doing what God's asked me to do, that set in motion in my life the direction that God called me on. Oh, man. All right. This is it. This is what I want to give you today, and I'm going to pray. Our takeaway is for every one of us, take some time to reconnect with the grace and the love of God. If you've forgotten your story, remind yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to just... Begin to fan it into flame in your life. Remind yourself of the grace by which you've been saved. The grace in which Jesus has loved you. If you don't know that grace today, then just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Ask the Holy Spirit to stoke the value of heaven for those who are far from Christ in your heart. And here's where every one of us need to do is think about that one person. That one person, that one person, maybe they're broken, they have a need, maybe they're searching, they're hurting, they're, they're questioning, they have objections. Maybe it's that one person who feels like their mistakes are defining them, and because of their mistakes and failures, they can't be loved by God. Think about your one person, and that's who you need to actively pray for. And ask God for the grace, the strength, and the wisdom Encouraged to have compassion to both feel and to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 9, to 30, 38, it says this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. Harassed by who? They were harassed by the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the system of the world. And they were helpless. They couldn't get out of it. Like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns to his disciples. And he says, listen, I'm going to meet the need. But I want you to hear that you can meet the need. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. If I could shift the nature of intercession in any way, shape, or form, it's this. Don't pray pray just about problems. Ask the Holy Spirit for courage to fix the problem. Don't pray about the loss. Jesus didn't ask you to. He said the harvests are plentiful. Pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you with enough courage to go. To go. To go. To go. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who's your one? Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. You're so good. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just give us all... All a fresh reminder of your grace today. The grace by which we have been saved. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody here this morning that does not know the love, the wonderful love of Jesus, today you can receive that love. Just simply say this from your heart Jesus, I need you, I believe in you. I believe that you went to the cross and you carried the weight and the debt of my sin. But in the same way that you were buried, my sins were buried with you. And in the same way that you rose to life, I too, inside of you, Jesus, by placing my faith and my trust in you, can come to life. Jesus, I need your love. I need your grace. I receive it. Thank you. Father, I pray for those Lord, this morning that we see the people in our life that you would give us eyes to see. God, that you would help us to know, to hear. Lord, maybe there's somebody who's broken. Maybe there's somebody who's searching. Maybe there's somebody who doesn't feel like you love them. That's in our life. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you show us? Would you cause us to be moved the same way, Jesus, that you were moved with compassion? That our hearts would begin to to bend and to break in that direction the same way that the heart of heaven bends and breaks for that. That, Father, we would go, whether it's to meet a need, to listen, to share truth, to hear the heart. Father, to be a reflection of the grace, to love the way that that father loved in the prodigal story, to remind somebody of what you think. God, whatever it is, that you would empower us to go to be that. Lord, we love you. Now, finally, I just want to pray for those who maybe feel like they're the prodigal son, that they can't be loved by God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I break that lie of the enemy. Lord, we know that it's not just the mistakes, but, Father, it's the other things, too, that have been compounded upon that. And Lord, that lie that they are alone, that they can't be loved, that they can't come and know the love of the Father, we break in the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, Father, just let your arms fling wide open and and surround them, Lord God, in your grace and in your love, welcoming them back in. The understanding that they are your son or your daughter, God, that they are loved by you, that they are restored by you. Father, we thank you. For your goodness today. You are so good. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? Thank you all. All right. Today, as we close, if you need prayer for anything, we'll have some folks up here who'd love to pray with you. Or you can turn to your neighbor, somebody you know, and have them pray. But if you have a need, don't leave. If it's in your physical body or something you're walking through, We all have that, and sometimes we need prayer. And if you do, don't leave today. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we love you. We love you and bless you. Father, I just declare your grace, your goodness, and your mercy to surround every person all the days of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. Look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday and next Sunday.